everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining and Merry Christmas. Today, we're reading Revelation 19. And in it, we come across the description of Christ that reads King of Kings. But have you ever taken a significant amount of time to meditate on what that means? It's easy to slap a short and simple Christianese definition on it, but have you ever let the gravity of the title King of Kings sink in? There's this song we sing a lot around Christmas time. It's called King of Kings, and it's not necessarily a Christmas song, but the lyrics go like this. In the darkness we were waiting, without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running, there was mercy in your eyes. To fulfill the law and prophets, to a virgin came the word, from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. The chorus ends with that line, praise forever to the king of kings. And that description, king of kings, actually turns up in today's chapter. And if we're honest, I think there are descriptive phrases of Christ that we can grow complacent toward. Like they just lose their novelty a little bit. We're used to saying, yes, he's the lamb or the baby in a manger or the king of kings. But in today's chapter, we're reminded of just what Jesus is like. Jordan Felix, the Revelation 19 Devo writer, lays out for us a glimpse of the descriptions we get in today's chapter. Let me read his list for you. He is called faithful and true. That's verse 11. His eyes are like a flame of fire. Verse 12. He wears many crowns with a name no one knows. Also verse 12. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Verse 13. He is called the word of God. Verse 13. His army is arrayed in fine linen, white and pure. That's verse 14. He has a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will pour out the wrath of God on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written, King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Revelation 19, verse 16. King of Kings, Lord of Lords. What exactly does that ultimate title mean? An article from the Got Questions website puts it like this. Fundamentally, the idea of Jesus being King of Kings and Lord of Lords means that there is no higher authority. His reign over all things is absolute and inviolable, meaning it's never to be broken, infringed upon, or dishonored. God raised him from the dead and placed him over all things, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's Ephesians 1, 21 through 23. And the phrase king of kings is used in scripture six times. Once, the title is applied to God the Father, that's 1 Timothy 6.15, and twice to the Lord Jesus, Revelation 17.14 and 19.16, and the other three can be found in Ezra, Ezekiel, and Daniel, and those refer to either Artaxerxes or Nebuchadnezzar, kings who used the phrase to express their absolute sovereignty over their respective territories, Persia and Babylon. The phrase Lord of Lords is used by itself in Scripture twice and refers to God the Father. Psalm 136.3, 
Give thanks to the Lord of Lords for his steadfast love endures forever. In Deuteronomy 10, 17. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. Now, the article continues by saying in Revelation 19, 6, Jesus is given the full title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Revelation 17, 14 switches it, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. The title indicates someone who has the power to exercise absolute dominion over all his realm. In the case of the Lord Jesus, the realm is all of creation. In John's vision, Jesus is returning to judge the world and establish his earthly kingdom, as he predicted back in Mark 13, 26, which we read earlier this year. The article says, when Jesus is called King of Kings and Lord of Lords, it means that in the end, all other rulers will be conquered or abolished and he alone will reign supreme as King and Lord of all the earth. There is no power, no king and no Lord who can oppose him and win. And there are a myriad of references to this absolute rule of Jesus and his preeminence over other rulers throughout scripture. To mention just a few, Isaiah 40, 23 through 24 says that the Lord brings princes to nothing and makes earth's rulers emptiness. The mere breath of the Lord will carry them off like stubble. Daniel's vision of the Son of Man in chapter 7, Daniel 7, is of one whom he calls the Ancient of Days, whose everlasting dominion is over all people, nations, and languages. In the New Testament, we get a better view of the one these passages refer to. The writer of Hebrews speaks of the Lord Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. It's Hebrews 1.3. The next verse speaks of Jesus being much superior to the angels. Clearly, his rule over creation is absolute the article concludes. And in regard to this phrase, Lord of Lords and King of Kings, if that wasn't enough, another commentator says, he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. This is a way of expressing the superlative, the greatest Lord and the mightiest King, the Lord and King of all. This is the reason why he will defeat his enemies. We can be certain of it. The same kind of language is used of God in the Old Testament. And in certain languages, this will be expressed as he is the most powerful ruler and highest chief of all. Our God is the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing creator of everything. And Jesus, he came to earth as a baby, born in a manger. He came to live a life like ours, then beaten, betrayed, and murdered for our sake. And then, as Jordan puts it in his Devo, He was resurrected because he is who he says he is. He knew no sin, but took it on for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 That's all we've got time for today, but I'm encouraged. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.